Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Thank God for his word. Isn't it good that we have his word? You know there's places in the world that they don't even allow Bibles. There are places like that. We have a friend, Helen, uh, uh, from Estonia. She visited a few years ago here, and, and she was actually a teenager when she uh, was growing up in Estonia, and, and uh, she got born again in a, in a youth group, and they had, like, books, Christian books. She actually had a book by Kenneth Hagin called In Him and, and one called The New Birth, and she said in their church, which was underground, they would write it, you know, by hand to pass it on to people. They'd take it word for word and write it and pass it on. Yeah, they had a trans. Helen was a translator. She knew English really good, and she's worked since in translating different books into the native tongue. But my goodness, isn't it good to have God's word? You know, my I have, you know, whatever, 60, 60 translations of the word. I carry 15 in my book, and I mean, we're word is blessed, you know. But we can, we can be so blessed that we can take things for granted. And we want to be careful not to do that. It isn't that anybody's mean and, you know, you know ill-willed and taking things for granted. We're just humans. Humans can, can fall into traps, you know. You get, you get stuff, you get so much of stuff, you get saturated that you just, you, 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 it loses significance or something. You know, I play games with myself. You know, not just on my iPhone or whatever, but, but I play games with myself sometimes when I'm reading the Word. I'll, I'll pretend like I've never read this before. I'll say, all right, I'm going to turn the Bible, you know, whatever. I'll, I'm going to turn my Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I, I wonder what that would say because I'm tricking my mind not to get so comfortable and think, oh, I know everything there is to know. The trouble with knowing everything there is to know is that you can never learn anything new, okay? And, and the Bible says this, that the meek, the meek will inherit the earth. It says, it says that in, in James, it says, receive the engrafted word with meekness. Meekness, because it has the power to save your soul. Well, meekness, if you grew up like I did, you know, the first thing I think of when I hear the word meek is Clark Kent. Okay? Because I grew up, you know, and we used to watch the old black and whites there as a family and see Superman you know, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, you know, all those things. And, but, you know, we all knew that he was meek, mild-mannered Clark Kent. So because of that, the definition of that word meek over the years to me, I've had to watch it because it seems like it means like a weak, you know, kind of mousy or something like that, you know, the image that was portrayed. But really the word meek just means to be teachable. It means that we haven't learned everything there is to learn. It means that we're in a position where God, where the Holy Ghost could actually show us something. Stay in that position. Stay in that place. Because God will show you things. He'll show you things even today. I love working with the Holy Ghost. You know, in, 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 in one place, in, I believe it's in Mark chapter 4, he said that, that, you know, to have ears to hear. Have ears to hear. You know, you can have ears and not have ears to hear. He said, have ears to hear because the them that hear more will be added. That's what Jesus said. He said, have ears to hear. He says, and them that hear more will be added. 
So what that says to me is that everybody can hear stuff, but some people are going to have more added. I always want the more that's being added. What that is, is, is see, see, you know, I'm just a guy talking about the Word, but, but I'm working with the Holy Ghost. And, you know, whatever I could say doesn't begin to compare to what He'll take of the words I say and He'll give it to you as that extra thing. That's something more. He knows each of our lives, the intricacies that, that are, are within all of us. He knows the situations that we're facing. You know, in some ways, we, we, we face a lot of similar things, but each thing, each person has its own individuality about what's going on in life. The Holy Ghost knows those things. And there's always an answer. There's always something, you know, that can take us out of the dark place and bring us into the light. And usually it's just a word from heaven, a word from God that can bring us up to new places. Now, getting down to my message today, all right? You know, I'm kind of a series dude. You know, I go on series. But if you miss the rest of the series, you know, it's all right. There'll be something the Holy Ghost will show you today. The series we've been in, we've called it Shine. Because that's what we've been called to do in this world, is shine. Jesus said this in Mark. Nope, try it again. Matthew. Chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus here, he's talking, it's a Sermon on the Mount, and he says this, he says, you are the light of the world. Say, hey, I'm, I'm light. See, that was, that was pretty good. Now, I'm going to say it like this. If I was to tell you to say, God is light, we'd, we'd have a harmony. Everybody would go, God is light! Because we don't have any problem believing that God is light. Because he's perfect. He is light. But Jesus said, you're light. Jesus knows you. See, we know ourselves sometimes so well that we know all the imperfections. But when Jesus is talking about us, he's talking about the person on the inside. He's talking about who you really are. He's talking about the hidden man of the heart. He's talking about the inward man. And when he, when he addresses you, he's addressing you not according to your faults and your failures and all the places you blew it, like me. He's addressing that man on the inside, and he's calling you to rise up and be who God's called you to be. He says, you're light. You're the light of the world. You see, we walk around in this world, and it's dark all over, and you could get all freaked out by the darkness that's out there. But don't allow yourself to go there realize this, this world is dark, but I've got light in me. Jesus called me light. I'm a light of this world. Jesus, of course, Jesus is, is the big light. He's the one that lights everybody's candle. He's the one, you know. He's the one where light comes from. But hallelujah, we're children of the Most High God. And I'm, I'm not stretching anything by saying, He made you to be light. He made you light. Jesus went on, he says, you're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Makes sense. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Now, that would be dumb, wouldn't it? I mean, light, there's an advantage to light. There's benefits from light. I mean, I hate when the power goes out. You know, we live outside of the city limits and the power goes out, everything goes out, you know? 
And, you know, I, 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 I'm a funny guy. I, I hide flashlights all around in the house. Wherever I'm at, there's a flashlight somewhere within a couple steps. You know, I have them in the lower level. I have them in the bedroom. I have them in the kitchen and with Dana's Tupperware. I've got a flashlight there. Woo, yeah. Lights. I like light because the darkness goes out. You don't know what's going on around you. You can't even see. You might stub your toe or something. So I want light. I want light. Lights go out in the middle of the night. I got myself a little light right in my drawer. Pull it out. Yep. Find my way around. Get my phone. Turn, you know, you know. Praise God, they've put a flashlight on these iPhones. It works pretty good nowadays. I can just flip that baby out, and there it is. You know, I got a light. Bad. <laughs> what are we talking about? Well, how dumb would it be to put under a bushel? You know, to have this power at your disposal, but to put something over it and cover it up and keep it from being what it really is supposed to be, well, sometimes I've done that. See, I've got light in me but I've allowed the bushel baskets of life to cover me up, to keep me from being who God made me to be, who I'm supposed to be in this world. Not just when I get to heaven, but right now here, God's called me to shine his light. Amen. Hallelujah. Shining is not a difficult thing. It's just being who you are. You know? Shining, you don't have to grit your teeth to shine. Well, Dana, I'm going to shine today. <laughs> I don't have to go through some kind of contortion to shine. Shining is just being who I am. Being who God made me to be. Allowing the real me to come forth. I want to take a little time this morning. You know, we've done this series and we've spent a lot of time talking about some bushel baskets and stuff. But I want to just spend a little time this morning and talk about what light is. What light is? What do you think of when you think of light? You know, uh, I think of a mission in Haiti that's called light. That's one thing I think of. But you know, the most common scripture that might come to my mind is over in Genesis chapter 1. And if you go there in Genesis chapter 1 and in verse 1, say, say this with me. Say, I'm open today. Holy Ghost, show me some things that I don't know, some things I need, make them clear to me, so real, I couldn't miss it, even if I tried, I'd be dumb to try, but you know, you know what I mean, anyway, <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, it says, as in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, in verse 2, it goes on, it says, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Isn't that amazing? He says, you know, in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth, and it says the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the earth. You know, have you ever felt like that's my life? I feel like my life is void. I feel like darkness has covered me. I feel like, like there's no purpose. I'll tell you, no matter how dark it may seem in your life, no matter how, much, how little purpose you may feel like you have, I'm telling you this, that one word from God can bring light to your path. One word from God can cut through any darkness. I don't care how intense it is. I mean, we're talking here of a time that the sun hadn't even been created. We're talking here about when there's no light, no moon, no stars. 
Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a little city boy that moved to the country, and I'm kind of the reverse of Jethro Clampett. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's this old show that I grew up watching called The Beverly Hillbillies. And The Beverly Hillbillies was about a, a family of, of hillbillies that struck it rich, struck oil, and they moved to Beverly Hills in, in California. And, and I, I have this image in my head of, of Jethro Bodine, who was, was one of the, the hillbillies, who'd come there. And, you know, this, Jethro Bodine was no, no slouch. He had a sixth grade education. He could cipher. He could do all kinds of things, you know, and he'd tell you. But I remember when they came to the city, he was in awe, like all of them. They'd look up at the big buildings, and they're like, oh, wow, this is the city life. I've never seen nothing like this back where I was from. Well, you know, I lived in the city. I grew up in the city. But I moved to the country. That's what I do. I go out. When I come home at night, you know, Dana goes in first, and she lets the dog out. So I'm out there with the dog, you know. And I look around. I look at the stars, and I look at this, the moon. I love looking at the moon. Do you guys look at the moon? But, I mean, stars are so bright. And, you know, I don't care. I've been here for whatever. How long have we been here, Dana? 13 years, something like that. I don't get tired of it. I don't get tired of it. I love to go out there. Just, you know, it's pitch black out, but man, the, the stars are shining. And I love it when the moon's out and you can just see stuff. Well, you know, when God, when we're talking about this portion of scripture here, this is a time before the moon. This is a time before the stars. This is a time before the sun and there is nothing but darkness. Can you imagine darkness that's so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face? I know we say things like that, but can you imagine it being real? So dark you could cut it with a knife and it's like, it's like an object. That's how it was. You know, and, and, and you know, if you're living in that time, I mean, that would be a scary time to live. Can you imagine being in that situation? But all God did is say, light be. And light, it, it didn't, light didn't say, I don't know, God. I don't know, that's a lot of darkness you're calling me to come forth on. You know, have you looked at, have you looked at the world lately, God? I mean, are you aware of how much darkness there is? And you're saying for me to be, light be? All he did is say, light be. And light was. Light can dispel. No matter how much darkness there is, one little bit of light can dispel darkness. Okay? There's no... What I'm telling you here is that light has more power than darkness. We can become so darkness-minded. We can... You know, and it's easy to do. You look at the world... And there's darkness. There's another kind of darkness. There's the natural kind of darkness, but there's spiritual darkness. And you can get overwhelmed looking at the world. I've been there. I've had to make decisions of, of things that I can't listen to in abundance. Because it brings me to a place. I used to listen to this radio preacher. This is going way back. And, and I, you know how it is? You drive home from work at a certain time every day. And I'd always be stuck in Highway 100 traffic, so this is going back quite a few years. And I'd be in Highway 100, you know, struggling to get home, you know, and it was at least the 30 to 40 minute drive every night going home. So there was a certain radio preacher that I would listen to. It wasn't that I even liked him that much, but he was on. And this guy wasn't building me up. This guy would made it his mission to take every minister that I could think of, even Billy Graham. I remember one day I driving home, he was picking on Billy Graham and saying he didn't think he was saved. 
I mean, that's beyond comprehension. And, 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 and uh, so every night I'd, I'd walk in. I'd walk in from that stuff. I'd come home, you know, and Dana, you know, she's there, you know, meeting me. Hey, baby, how you doing? You know, the hugs and, you know, I missed you intensely. This is how you do it, right? <laughs> Supper's ready. It's just your favorite meal again. I can't have enough of that. And, you know, and, and, and um, that's why she bought me a dog. <laughs> but I'd come home. And, 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 and things should have been great, but I was just in a bad mood. I was grumpy. I was like, because I'd get so agitated listening to a Christian guy. And finally, one night, we were, we were at a board meeting of the church where we were working. And, and one of the, you know how it is at any kind of meeting you get together. You know what board meetings are like? You know what? One of the essential ingredients of a board meeting, in my opinion, is M&Ms. Have you noticed? You know, if you don't have M&Ms, you don't have a board meeting. It's just a fact. So when we're in the portion of the meeting where we're having M&Ms and talking, one of the board members started talking about this radio show that, that I listened to every day. You know, at, I think it was 5 o'clock. Came on the Christian radio station and... And they, they said, they had this amazing revelation. They said, I used to listen to this show and it got me so mad. And they said, I finally decided I'm not going to listen to that anymore. <laughs> Dana kicked me. It happened to be, you know, we had a radio show on at the same time. Or not the same time, but on the same uh, radio channel in Minneapolis. And so, you know, I felt it my, my duty to listen to that station. You know, so I'd hear everything. But, uh, you know, we were on the same, same call letters or whatever, and here this, this person was down there giving me negative. And, I, I, you know, I realized I don't have to listen to that. And I shut it off. And you know what? I was happier. I came home happier. I came home, Dana, baby. Oh. That's, that's why I bought a cat. <laughs> So, be careful what you fill your mind with, because it can pull you down. But I'm telling you what, even in the dark world we live, a word from God can build you up, can bring you light. There's, there's natural light and there's supernatural light. And, and the supernatural light that we have, I'm telling you what, it'll outshine any darkness that's in the world. In Acts chapter 22, talking about light, you know, what are you talking about this morning? What's, what's the goal of this message this morning? Well, I want to talk about what we've got, who we are, what we have. You know, what's, what's real on the inside of us? Build a consciousness of God living in you, okay? I guess that would be a goal for the, the message this morning, if you're wondering. But, but in, in Acts 22, in verse 6, you know, this is a tremendous story. You know, it's the story of Paul's salvation, and he's retelling this story. And, and, and you can read the story. I believe it's in Acts 8 or 9. I, I, I could be, it's in that ballpark where, where, it, where it happened. And, and here we have Paul retelling his story. 
And I like that because I retell my story of being saved. And I say, hey, hey, Paul did it too. Cool, you know. You ought to tell your story of how God impacted your life, what he did for you. But, but you know, I love this story so much as Paul's telling it that I'm not even going to read it this morning. I'm just going to tell you what it said. And, and Paul's talking. You've got to realize Paul. You know, Paul wasn't always Apostle Paul. There was a day when he was called Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus. What kind of guy was Saul of Tarsus? Saul of Tarsus was a guy that in his own mind was right. In his own mind, he was thinking he was serving God. In his own mind, he was doing the righteous thing in life. Now, what was Saul of Tarsus? Well, he was an enemy of the church. Saul of Tarsus was an enemy of God. Saul of Tarsus was so religious that the stench smelled to heaven. Saul of Tarsus was a guy that people feared. Christians feared because he went around and he had papers that he could take Christians chain them, bring them, put them in prison. He could even kill them. There's evidence of it because Stephen, who was the prominent, you know, man of God in his area, he was actually stoned, martyred, and, and, and it says that Saul of Tarsus was right there holding the coats of those that were throwing the rocks. This is who Saul of Tarsus was. So one day, Saul of Tarsus is riding with his boys, with his posse, and they're on their way to do damage to the Christians. He's riding a donkey. And when is he riding a donkey? He's riding a donkey right in the middle of natural light, right at noon. Do you know what, what's significant about noon? At noon, the sun is, is in its highest place. And it's, it's, it's shining down over everything. I'm telling you what, that's when they had gunfights in the Old West because the sun was bright, it was shining, you know? Ha, yeah, hoo, ha. And, and, and Saul was riding his donkey with the guys right in the middle of this natural light. Now, in the foyer, we've got something out there this, for the season that's it's called a disco ball. Now, let it be known, I was never a disco person. Okay, if you were a disco person, how do they do that? Is it like that? You know, but that, you know, I never did that stuff. But, but you know, we, we put that out there for no spiritual significance, but we put it out there for the season because it kind of looks like stars and it looks like snow and whatever you want it to look like, you know, so it's kind of that kind of a thing out there. But, but when I came in this morning, you know, being the Christmas season and all, I walked into the sanctuary and I walked by and... I couldn't tell that it was even on. And in fact, I walked through that, by that door, and I turned around, and I came back, and I looked in there, and I thought, is that thing on? Sure enough, it was. It's turning around, and I, I squinted my eyes, and I could see that there was a faint resemblance of, of stars going on the wall. Why was that? Was it broken? Does it need to be plugged in? Was something wrong? No, it was all working. But the light that it had was less than the natural light at 8.30 in the morning. As the day goes on, at noon, when we get out of here, 
if I would have told you about it, you might not even notice it, you know? But, but I'm telling you what, if you hung around at the church today till about 5.30 when all the sun is down, I'm telling you what, the whole room would be full of light and it would be going, you'd be like, Dana, I'm getting dizzy. Hey. But there's lights everywhere. What is it? Oh, yeah, Disco Inferno. Yeah, Stephen says, is that what they call it? Hmm. Anyway, but, <laughs> but here's the deal. Even though it has, it has two lights shining on it, those lights are inferior to the natural light of the sun. Now, the natural light of the sun, I mean, I mean, how many of you have stood in the foyer even when we don't have a disco ball and you've been squinting because you're talking to somebody and it's like blinding you? Well, Saul of Tarsus is riding down the road and, and, and he's on his donkey and all of a sudden, this is how he says it here in Acts 22. He says that right in the middle of noonday sun, a light appeared that was brighter than the sun. There are lights. God has things. God has light that's stronger than anything we've experienced in the natural realm. Light that, that you know, doesn't need it to be dark to shine light that can come right out in the middle of the sun's performance and go, bam, take that. This light was so strong that it says the Apostle Paul retelling it here in Acts 22 says, when that light hit, it was so strong, I fell off my donkey and all the guys with me were on the ground. And he said, I didn't even get up from the ground. I said, who are you, Lord? Who is it, Lord, Lord, Lord? He realized that whoever was behind this power was the Most High God. That's the kind of light you and I have on the inside of us. Light that'll cut through not just darkness, it'll cut through natural light. It'll cut through anything the world has to give. Turn over to Revelation for a moment. Revelation chapter 4, talking about light. Talking about what you have on the inside of you. You see, becoming a Christian does not just mean, well, now I attend church now. I'm a Christian. You know, I, you know my question. I ask people this all the time. I say, say, hey, you know, do you know you're going to heaven when you die? Now, you got to be careful when you say that because they think you're going to pull a gun on them or something. You know, I don't mean now. I'm not talking about today. But, you know, everybody's going to die sometime. You know, not today, but maybe 100 years from now. Do you know you're going to heaven when you die? And the, the variety of responses I've received over the years is just that. There's a variety of them. Now, sometimes people will look at me and they think I'm questioning if they're a good person or not. So I'll clarify it. I'll say, hey, I, I can see you're a good person. But my question is, do you know when you leave this planet where you're going? Many times I've heard people say, well, I hope so. And, and when I dig a little bit, they say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an American. I'm going to, I, I hope I'm going to heaven. I'm an American. Sometimes they'll say, yeah, I, I hope I'm going to he heaven. You know, uh, I'm a Republican. <laughs> Sometimes they'll say, I hope I'm going to heaven. I'm a Democrat. <laughs> Sometimes they'll say, well, I, I hope, hope I'm going. I've heard this one. I hope I'm going to heaven. I'm, I'm a good Lutheran. Well, it's good to be a good Lutheran. Have you followed Martin Luther? Have you done what Martin Luther did? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, nailing a, a, something to the door, a, a, you know, whatever. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. But are you doing what Martin Luther did? Martin Luther had an experience. 
Martin Luther got in the book of Romans and he began to see in the first half of the book of Romans that, wow, there's more to this Christian stuff than just observing rules and regulations. Are rules and regulations wrong? No, but they don't get you to heaven. It's believing on the love of God. It's believing on the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, God loves us. God loves us so much. You know, he made us for his own pleasure. And, and, and it says that he fashioned man in his own image and breathed into him the breath of life to create a family on the earth. But Adam fell. He partook of the, the forbidden fruit. And, and that death came in and it, 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 it invaded the whole human race. And God loved God loved us so much he didn't give up on us. Do you ever give up on people? Do ever people push your limits so much? Or have you pushed their limits so much you feel like, oh, they've all given up. I've given up on myself. God doesn't give up on you. God cares about you. He sent Jesus to redeem you, to set you free, and to, to bring you into the family. Now, in Revelation chapter 4, that's where I was when I went off on that, but Revelation chapter 4 is a tremendous... I love this chapter in the book of Revelation. I love the whole book, but, you know, before chapter 4, there's three chapters that address the church. They address the church of that day, but it's relevant to the church of this day. And, and as he does that, you know, he moves on into chapter 4, and the first thing in chapter 4, verse 1, you know, paraphrasing, but John the apostle said this. He said, I heard a voice from heaven that sounded like a trumpet. And, and the next thing you find as you read on here is that all of a sudden he's in the spirit and he's before the throne of God. Now, I don't consider myself to be an eschatology major, which is the study of end times, but, but I have heard some great men and women that, that would, I would call that. I'd call them eschatology majors. But in my thinking, you know, this is talking about the rapture. This is talking about the church being raptured up into heaven, which is a real event. You know, because before chapter 4, you know, the, the, the church is being addressed. All of a sudden, chapter 4, he hears this voice that sounds like a trumpet. And just like in Thessalonians, it says the trump will blow and the dead and Christ will rise first and those that are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the air. That's what they call and I call the rapture. Do you guys ever heard of the rapture? See, I grew up and my parents were Christians, and, and they went to church, and I heard enough just to be scary to me, okay? I didn't get born again until I was like 21, but, but, you know, growing up, I heard all the churchology, all the church terms, and I heard about the rapture just enough to scare me, just enough to scare me. And, and, and I remember a, a, a number of times, a few at least, that I came home from school or different events, and I walked into the house, and the house was empty, and the first thought that hit me is, oh my goodness, you missed the rapture. There you are. I mean, that was, it was a real, you guys laugh, but it, it was real to me. It, it scared me to my boots. I was like, whoa, yeah, I missed it. I'd, seen, I'd even seen some movies about that kind of thing. And I thought, well, the guillotine is next. You know, that's what I thought. And, 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 and then all of a sudden, you know, the phone would ring. And I'd say, oh, thank goodness. You know, it was my parents or something. I'd go, oh, you know, I'm glad to hear from you. You know, it was just like settling my mind down. <laughs> Calling from the other side. Hey, how you doing? I had other scary thoughts too. This is how the theology of a young person that doesn't know God can work. I had heard this, this taught that Jesus said that when, when the Son of Man would come back, that one would be taken 
and one would be left behind. Did you ever hear that? You read that? It's in the Gospels. I would lay it in bed at night, and I would count the people in the house. And if it was an odd number of people, I felt much peace. But if it was an even number, I felt like we're set up for this to happen. <laughs> one's taken, one's left behind. Somehow I thought if there was an odd number in the house, it would, divert, it would change the whole plan of God. Because one's taken and one's... This is how I thought. When I was a kid, too, they used to have these things called skyriders. You know, I don't know if they do this anymore. Certainly not like it when I was younger. But there would be airplanes that would, would make signs in the sky. They would say, they'd, they'd draw things. And there'd actually be words sometimes that you could read. That really scared me, too. Because I heard that when he came back, there'd be signs in the sky. And I thought, oh, man, this could be the, I'm going to live good today. That's how I thought. And live good. See, living good wasn't enough. Living good wasn't what God was all wanting me to do. You know, He wants you to live good, but what He wanted me to do is accept His love, to accept what Jesus had done. You know, none of us are good enough to make it. But, but let me finish reading here in Revelation. John said in verse 2, immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, there was a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that to look upon it was like a jasper, a sardine stone. There was a rainbow around the throne. And it was the sight like unto an emerald. You know, John tried to use human words to describe what he was experiencing, but there was such light there that, that was just exposing everything. Such light that wasn't kind of a boring light. It was light that was full of life. It was light that John was like, wow, this is amazing. This is the throne of God. You know, God is light. And I'm telling you what, man, heaven is full of light. If you read on in chapters 21 and 22, it begins to talk about the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And in, in chapter uh, 22, I'll just read this, John talking here. Uh, he's talking about heaven is lit with this kind of light. He said, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb of the, uh, are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory to honor it. This is what John said about, about heaven, about the new heaven, the new earth. He said, man, God is so intense. The light that, that just emanates from him, he radiates with this stuff. And I'm, it's so bright, you don't even need a sun. You don't even need a moon. We don't need utilities. We won't have to pay Dunn County News, or, or not News, uh, what's that place called? Dunn Energy to get our power. Yeah, I'm thinking about something else. But anyway, but, uh, <laughs> but the light of God, the light of God. I tell you, it'll just shine everywhere. In Habakkuk, Habakkuk in the Amplified, chapter 3, verse 4, it says, His brightness was like the sunlight, and rays streamed from his hand, and therein... Sun, the sun-like splendor was the hiding place of his power. So, so this light that God is, it, it, it's, it's a light to heal. It's not a light to hurt. You know, years ago, there used to be a, a laser clinic on the other side of this building. And they used light. They used laser light to go into people's eyes and, and help them see better. You know what? That's how God's about God's about taking light and helping people. God's about healing people. You know, I, I read a story years ago about this guy that was, ex, was exposed to, the, the, to radium. If you don't know what radium is, you know, one uh, common use of radium is in watches. You know, I don't, have, I don't have my watch on today, Dana. 
And, and if you go into a movie theater and your watch is on, you know, you can pull up your sleeve real discreetly and, and it glows. You know, not everybody around you sees it, you know, it's kind of, kind of undercover. But you can look and, 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 and it glows because it's got this element of radium in it. Well, this guy years ago was exposed to an unusual amount of radium, but he lived. But this is what he said, is that years after the exposure, he said, I'd still get around to Geiger counter and it would make it tick. There's a radium from heaven. There's something from heaven that'll make you tick. That'll make those around you tick. There's something on the inside of you called the light of God. The light, the light of God. Hallelujah. That, that Jesus said, we're the light of the world. People will, people will see this light and they'll come to him. Psalm 18, 28 says, Thou will light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Jesus said, you're a city set on a hill, and it cannot be hid. Um, you know, he, he talks about having this bushel over you. And, and over the last weeks in this series, I've covered a number of different bushel baskets. I'm going to quickly, in a couple minutes, just talk about one other bushel basket that the devil will try to, try to squelch out the light that you are and keep it from shining people around you. You know, we've talked about unforgiveness. How You know, that's not the real you. It's funny how in life... People can identify with things that the devil's trying to do and, and think that's them. I've seen it with sickness where sometimes people have had a sickness that they've dealt with for years and they become so identified with it, they call it their sickness or they say, I, I am this. I am this. Don't go saying you are this. Say you are the light of God. Say what the Bible says about you. Don't identify with what the devil's tried to do with your life. Sometimes people have been caught in a web of unforgiveness and they identify with it so strongly they say that's who I am. That's how I am. That's how I operate. It's not. It's not. You guys are full of light. You're full of this stuff we've been talking about today that cuts through the darkness of the world. You're full of this stuff that brings healing to people and changes situations around you. You've got this stuff in you that when it comes in the room, it brings clarity to people because it's light. It's light from heaven. So one of these bushel baskets that we're going to get rid of is this one called condemnation 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 is not who you are condemnation is something the devil tries to put on your head and tries to keep you wearing this hat of condemnation to keep you from shining the way Jesus called us to condemnation well, let me read this Romans 5 17 it says for by one man's offense death reigned much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by Jesus Christ. Say, so I've been called to reign. He didn't call us to be wimps. He called us to reign. In Romans, um, of course, I'm not going by my message. In Romans 8.1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. In Ephesians 4, verse 22, I'm going to just go from this angle. Ephesians 4, verse 22, Paul said this, Put off concerning the former lifestyle of the old man, or conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Verse 23, he says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
Then in verse 24, he says, And put on the new man, which after God is created in true righteousness and holiness. True holiness. Paul said, Don't live like the old man. Don't identify your life with the old way of doing things. Okay? You're a new man. You're someone that God created. You're someone who's full of light. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, in the garden again, Adam, you know, he was made this way too, but he fell. He fell. And, and the behavior that Adam displayed after the fall is not who you and I are. It's not who you and I are. Adam, when he fell and became what I'll call it, just for this, I'll call it an old creature. He became the old man that we used to be. Remember Paul said, don't think like an old man. Don't live like the old man. When Adam fell, it says this, that he hid himself in the garden. And what did God do? Get this image. What God did when Adam fell, do you think God knew Adam fell? I think God knew that Adam fell. I don't think he was surprised. I don't think he thought, oh no, did Adam fall? I wonder, I better go see. No, I think he knew it. And so he goes down there, and the thing that God does is he looks for Adam. You know what? Even when you blow it and I blow it, God comes looking for us. He looks for us to bring us back. He looks for us to redeem us, to lift us up, not to squash us. So he comes looking for Adam, but here's what old creature stuff does. Adam hears the voice of God walking in the garden, and he hides from God. That's what old creature stuff does. You see, because old creature stuff, old man stuff, walks around with condemnation. Realizing all our shortcomings, realizing our failures, that's how old man, old creatures walk. So when Adam hears God in the garden, he runs and hides. He hides himself from the presence of God. What I'd say to you today is when you're in trouble, even if it's your fault, even if you've if you failed, don't run from God. Run to him. God wants to help you. God wants to lift you up. You know, when Adam finally did come into the presence of God, God just did as he presented a plan to him. You know, he, he gave him some skins <laughs> to cover up his condition, to cover up his nakedness. And he says, you know what, I've got a plan. You know, in Genesis 3.15, he began to prophesy and talk about the coming Redeemer. He gave him hope. Hallelujah. God will always give you hope. He'll always take you from one place and lift you up to greater places. Hallelujah. I'm going to read one scripture just in closing. And there's Proverbs 4.18. It says, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. You know, people come up to you sometimes and they'll say, Hey, how you doing? Sometimes that, that question, I know it's a simple one, but sometimes it can throw me. Sometimes, how am I doing? I'll give you an answer right now. Say, I'm shining brighter and brighter every day. I'm shining brighter and brighter every day. You know, your world might be great right now, but I'm telling you what, it can get better. Proverbs says this, the path of the just is as the shining light 
that shines brighter and brighter unto the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. It might get dark around us, but I'm telling you what, I'm fixing to shine brighter. I'm fixing to shine for Him. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.